Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Scrunchies, so every little dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is... Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. Hey, friend. What's going on? How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you. I feel like, um, can I diagnose who you are this week? Oh my God. I would love a diagnosis. Okay, great. Um, Here it is. I think this week you're a total Charlotte with... uh, what is the dog's name? Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. Like, you got your Elizabeth Taylor. There you go. But it's Chachi. Chachi Cerno. And it's a boy. Chachi yeah. Cerno, welcome to the pod. New mascot of the pod. Yay! We're so proud of the little pup. Eight weeks old. He's really cute, guys. In in I he's, whipped, he's walking around sniffing sniffing all the sniffs. I smelling all the smells. into a frenzy and got a dog today. Yay! So happy. How are you feeling about it? I feel wonderful. I mean, actually, I feel like a little bit of a Samantha, actually, oh. because you have a dog, but like Dennis Black, and you're married. Shout out. So you're a person that's like can commit. Um, mm. I'm a little like the second I, I'm so happy I have the dog, but it's like, oh, this has changed. This is like a thing that will be with me for like the next 13 years. And then. After that, the rest of my life, because I'm going to freeze him and like have him like right. We're going to get freezer. Him. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh. And then, like once the technology is available, bring him back to life. Okay. Great. So we're going to not cry, even just cry twelve the pooch. Pooch. It's yeah. like forever. To, yeah. 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 As my mom said when I was scared of dying, like don't worry, Rose. I'll put. I'll put you in a freezer and then we'll like reawaken you when the technology's there. And I was oh like, but goodness. what about you, mom? And she's like, I'll freeze myself too. Amazing. So Austin Powers of you guys. Uh, you guys, all I'm trying to say is I was scared of commitment, which reminded me of Samantha, but then like love conquered all, which I guess is like Carrie and Charlotte. I love that you've had the dog for several hours and it's already been such a journey. <laughs> You're mean, like, it's been an emotional roller coaster, ups and downs. Also, like, you act I- like you've had the dog for so long. Like, I'm really worried that my personality is going to be completely like boring now because there's some close people in my life who have babies and like they literally only want to talk about babies and even in the five minutes that everyone met the dog in the lobby 
the second anyone like started talking about something else, I was like deeply offended. Right. You're like, like, let's bring it back. I was like, are we off the dog now? Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, I hope that I'm not like a couple friends of mine who literally tell dog stories, which I were like violently boring. It's, it's so like, boring. Yesterday he did this. I'm like, wake me up when you're done it's talking. It's the same as like when someone talks about their dreams. And I've definitely <laughs> fallen victim to talking about my, well, actually, I actually think dreams I are I thousands moved, of times more interesting than oh, dogs and kids. Uh, I No, I think dreams are still the most boring thing to talk you about. You do? Yeah, I do. I just, it's our imagines Wait, are, how imaginations are crazy. I want to be rich. I want to have a townhouse. I want to sweep the No, Emmys. not those dreams. Oh. Those are goals. I'm talking oh, about like, what dreams? oh my God, last Last night, I was a dragon oh, that turned into the AIDS virus. I thought you meant goals. I was like, goals are no, fascinating. That's like all I no. talk about. Oh my God, no. But um, when I, so when I moved to Los Angeles, I actually think we talked about this. When I moved to LA, that was the biggest adjustment for me was getting used to the dog culture because I think in New York, I've noticed like people have, um, there's a lot of like breeder dogs, a lot of like very schmancy sort of show dogs. And it's sort of a dog parade, but not so much dog culture. Like out here, I feel like because we are more isolated, people are kind of just obsessed with their dogs. They are really crutching on their dogs for emotional like, I support. I have seen a human in three weeks. Exactly. So like your dog truly becomes your best friend, your roommate, your, your everything, your emotional crutch. Yeah. I also think that in your thirties, if you have maternal instincts and caretaking instincts, which I do, but you don't have a baby, then a dog is a nice thing where you're like, I can take care of something. I can love something. Yes. And like when we got Dennis, I, I, it's so, it was such a, it was such a shock to me because did you grow up with a dog? Love dogs. Oh yeah, you did. You, yeah, nosy Pickles. T- tons of them. Nosy Pickles. Nosy Pickles, the dog. So, and I, I grew up with cats. And so like, I did not understand. I just didn't understand the appeal of dogs. I thought certain dogs were cute, but I didn't think they were cute the way I thought cats were cute. And then when we got Dennis, I was like, oh, I don't just have a dog. I have a baby. Like he's my baby. The thing about living in Los Angeles and being in your 30s is like I just every day become more and more the thing I hate. I wear big floppy hats. I have maxi dresses. Yeah. I have a dog that I like. I know. I'm starting to like I'm doing the same thing where I'm kind of just like leaning into the L.A. of it all. I'm just like I love this place. This is my home. This is who I am. I'm still fighting it a little bit. I can't fully. I'm fully I can't in. fully give in, but I'm I'm getting there. And I think having a dog is like the first step to Gal- like really immersing yourself in L.A. Okay. Even though we're talking about L.A. at heart, like we are these New York girls, who did you feel like you were this week? Ooh, um, okay, I'm going to say I was a Charlotte as of last night because I was in New York this past week. And I went to in the span of two days, I went to the Center for International, wait, the International Center of Photography which feels very Charlotte because yeah, Charlotte she's worked a in a curator. gallery. Yeah. So I like went to this gallery and saw all these amazing photographs. And then the next day I watched this documentary on JetBlue called The Price of Everything. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. I think it's on HBO right now. It's really good. Like I come from like a visual art background. That was Excuse what I. Excuse me. I know, but you I guys did. can't see it right now. But she's holding this paint thing with all the colors, and yes, she's wearing a hat. Yeah, and a smock. My jeans are a mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like studied it. Like when I was a kid, that was like all I wanted to do was just like paint and draw and sculpt. And then I got into like this arts magnet program for high school, so I kept doing it. And I was kind of on like this track to go to RISD, and I never did. Because I ultimately was you like performing. Z. I never did Z because I found out like whatever. I just thought performing was like a little more. It's more exciting. stable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a much more stable. More, it's a better career yeah, path. Better it's for just family. more reliable. But my point in bringing it up is just that I, I I watched this documentary and it's all about the art scene right now 
in New York and just how I mean, I didn't it. Maybe I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm just like clueless. But like, it's insane what paintings like if you're like a top artist and by top artist, not even like an artist, we might know their name, like even three tiers below that your paintings are still going for like 20 million dollars at auction. It's bonkers like it's and they also talk about it was really interesting they were talking about like Jeff Koons and it was like this uh it was this woman who's like an auctioneer and then this guy who has like a very expensive art collection and they were talking about him and they're like yeah well Koons set up one of his like balloon animals uh in a lobby in an office building at Astor Place like that's a bad move for his career he's lobby art now and it was just like so cutthroat and I'm like oh that guy is like one of the best artists of all time anyways I just felt very Charlotte for like having the double dip of the art New York is so all about much art. art yeah LA is yeah. all about like people working in film and TV and New York is all about art my sister's an artist my brother-in-law's a painter they're all artists and I have to say when I first moved to New York my sister took me she was like Rose I'm taking you to the Chelsea gallery scene it's really cool don't embarrass me <laughs> I got extremely drunk and I was like what does this even mean I was like such a <laughs> oh nightmare oh my god I was like, this is, I, I mean. They probably thought you were an art project. They I mean, probably thought you were like I a am, kooky uh, installation. But I mean, literally, I think I have good taste and I enjoy art and I enjoy art museums. But I You're truly. You're like a Maria Abramovich. No, I go to art galleries and I'm like, why is this $1,000 mm-hmm. or 20 I just don't get it. It seems so wildly subjective. What I like about comedy is if somebody gets on stage and makes you laugh, they're funny. But yeah. you can see art well, and be like, I don't know why this is. Yeah, well, that's what's really interesting. In this documentary, they talk about the people who invest in art for investors sake and then the people who really are like passionate about it and uh, it's crazy because like the 1% who like really collects art a lot of them just have the same piece by that same artist because they're like my friend has one I have to have one they have a Damien Hurst I have to have a Damien Hurst and it just becomes like kind of not what art's supposed to be about also like most people in the world have to work jobs that are like at the bank or just like da 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 yeah what a wild life if, like, every six weeks you just, like, splash some paint on and then you just, like, made, like, millions. I mean, what? At that point, you're like, I can do anything because this is insane. Yeah. Like, reality doesn't exist anymore. Also, what they were saying, and I thought this was, like, this kind of broke my heart. And it made me realize, like, every time I've gone to a museum, like, you know when you're looking at any piece of art at a museum? Like, if it's a contemporary museum, Every piece of art, you're like, oh, that that looks like it was done pretty recently. And then it says, like, it was made in 1969 and the artist has been dead for, like, 15 years. And you're like, like, but there's a vibrator and an iPhone yeah, exactly, on it. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it was talking about how, like, everyone gets famous after they die. And all these artists who are interviewed for this documentary are like, yeah, I'll be famous, like, after I've passed away. And Wait, I'm like, what a I just thought of a comedy notion. Okay, comedy feature. It's about Let's an artist it. that really wants to make it big so they fake their own death. <gasps> That's good, right? That's so good. Let's yeah. write it. Okay, I'm in. I love how I attach myself immediately. Gal, it's your you're idea. My, you're my lifelong okay, creative well, partner. I, I did sort of inspire because I'm the one who saw the documentary. Gal, you're my ambrosia. Okay, thank you. Well, mm-hmm. should we go, get into the app, baby? Yes, baby. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so today we are starting with episode three of season one titled Bay of Married Pigs. Oink fucking oink. Oink, oink. You want to yeah? Let's kick it off. Um, So 
This episode starts with Carrie in the Hamptons. Yes, honey. She's invited to stay with her married friends, Peter and Elaine, at their beach house. And it is a totally refreshing, blissful vacation until she wakes up in the morning and stumbles into the hall only to find... Peter standing there holding a cup of coffee, wearing no pants, smiling like nothing is weird, even though his dick is more on display than a Jeff Koons balloon animal at the Guggenheim. Who just went to the Guggenheim? (laughs) Carrie kindly relays what happened to Elaine as soon as she's back from picking up breakfast. Good morning. Hey. Got some fresh juice and the good muffins. So, what's happening? Oh, well, um, I ran into Peter in the hallway without his underwear on. P.S. Congratulations. Sunny day. Honey, did Carrie see your dick in the hall? Oh, yeah, she caught me on the way to the bathroom. Oh, on the way to the bathroom. Truly shocking. I mean, I love that scene. It's incredible. It's such a great way to open an episode. (laughs) It's also so funny because, like, you can't really tell what he was hoping for. That's actually, that's where I wanted to start with this is, like, what was Peter's goal? Because if he was trying to seduce her, he was not sexual about it at all. He was actually kind of like a sad, divorced dad, just like... Wearing like a tidy whitey that looked like it had stains on it, and he's kind of just like scratching and standing there and staring at her. Like it's kind of, I think it's he's not erotic. a classic exhibitionist. Okay, and he because he did it in that way, he just made it seem like it wasn't a big deal. But if you are packing a lot of heat, maybe you just like it's Want really important out. for you. Um, I have to say the biggest dick I've ever seen is when I was in Italy in Cinque Terre. Ooh. I was 18. So Italian for huge dong. Yeah. Italian for dong-a-ling-a-ling-long. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen that many at the time. Maybe even zero. But I think it was it wasn't Zero just, dicks or zero big dicks? I was really a late bloomer. Okay, so I think okay, maybe okay. a hard zero. I'm trying to set the scene. Okay. I think it was a hard zero. Ooh, but, it's so fun to see your first dick in Italy. Well, the thing that was upsetting about it was... We hiked down to a nude beach, and everybody was nude, and every seemed, everyone seemed like they had a normal amount of, like, genitals. Mm-hmm. But his were so long that they, like, curled, almost like a curly poo. Like, it was so Wait, long. what? It was so long, it, like, curled in on itself. And he was staring. Was this a dick? I don't know. Maybe I was, Maybe like, it was a dog's tail. <laughs> it sounds like a coily dog tail. All I know is when he stood up, it had to, like, uncoil. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And, like, oh my all God. of us couldn't even help it. It was like and a slap bracelet. It was like a full slap bracelet that weighed, like, 30 pounds. No. Like, it was, like, literally, like... A like, thunk. A thunk <laughs> bracelet. Yeah. It was, like, Not a, a slap. full, like... He, like, swam in the water, and I was, like, worried he was going to drown yeah. himself on accident. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think the biggest dick. Yeah. The biggest dick I ever saw was uh, with a guy that I hooked up with in high school, but it was my friend's ex-boyfriend. And I was feeling really (gasps) fucked up about us hooking up in in the first place. I was like, this feels so wrong. And his dick was so big. It was like, it's so funny. You said like a coily poo. It was kind of like a (laughs) thick shit. (laughs) It's so crass, but it was like. It was like a thi- like it did represent it, it did was too much resemble a shit in that it was like kind of just like thick and straight and it's like what do I do with this like it's not really something I want inside my body and I don't we didn't know have sex thank if god men think they're supposed to but I also in college had the nicest sweetest I mean I had a few boyfriends but one of them was really nice and sweet tall handsome and he had 
such a schlong along a ding dong mm-hmm. that like literally having sex was like like a weird like Pythagorean theorem where we oh had to like do God. like an hour of prep work just to like make sure that it could happen. Right. It like went up into your throat. I was like gargling. Yeah. That's so hard. I know. I was like, wow, maybe not for me. I feel bad for guys that have like those kinds of dicks because it's like every woman is just like acting like they're experiencing childbirth when they have sex with them. They're I just know. like there's such a thing as too big. Night. Yeah, there is. Peter Peter uh Peter Lane. Peter Hallway. Hallway yeah, guy. I thought that was really strange. Have you ever had something like that happen where a friend's boyfriend did something questionable that you had to like talk to them about? Mm, uh no. Have you? I not that I can think of. I feel like um no. Let me think. Oh, I had someone's I don't dad. think I would bring it up. I feel like I'm the type of person that would just kind of like wish it away, which is not healthy. But I would just be like, oh, it's too. I mean, if it was like if it was like your boyfriend, I would I would feel comfortable talking to you. But I thought it was kind of weird because it's like Carrie kind of was just like, I feel like Carrie she did the right thing, though. She said yeah, something immediately. She did. She did, which was really like sweet and innocent and the right thing to do. But then I am kind of bummed that Elaine didn't side more with Carrie because there's kind of this no, narrative. He sexually assaulted her. Exactly. I mean, flashing somebody who doesn't want to be flashed, even though this is a comedy show, is like really weird. It's horrible. But I do have to say that it wasn't a boyfriend, but my best friend in undergrad's dad was kind of like a sexy dad. He, mm. had like a, he was like Mexican and sexy and had a long ponytail and was a photographer. That does not sound hot. <laughs> long ponytails. Um, no, I'm dry. I'm dry. <laughs> well, I, I thought he was cute. And like we had like tension. Oh, my God. Even though he was like married. And then one time. That's hot. This is hot. Though. No, it was it was like. I don't know if anyone's ever been close to, well, anytime that you're about to do something bad, I don't actually try and ever do bad things, but there's something hot about it. But then when it becomes real, it becomes really freaky. Yeah. Like, dads are scary. Well, we all start, like, we were like flirting, flirting, flirting. And then one day I realized I left something in my house. And he's like, wait, oh, how old were you? Sorry. I was 19. Okay. And he was like, you know, like forties. Yeah. Mm. And then not bad. I mean, that's uh, and then I was like, prime. oh, I have to like get something at my house. He's like, I'll drive you. <sighs> and like, he lit like, like my friend was like at the bookstore and he like drove me home, just him and me. We get into my bedroom, like looking for the thing. And he's like sitting on my bed. And I'm like, I had one of these moments where I was like, is this like going to be one of those like moments? And I was like, no, all of a sudden I panicked because I was really inexperienced. It was my friend's dad and he's married. And all of a sudden I was like, ah, I feel really like overwhelmed and I don't like the situation. I was like, um, it seemed sexy until it seemed possible. And then yeah. it was like really scary and overwhelming. Ooh. But I told her, I was like, your dad, I think, was flirting with me. She's what like, did she say? Because I, I felt really weird about it. And she was my best friend. And I was like, hey, I think your dad was flirting <gasps> about me. And she was like, no, never. Oh, my God, no. He's yeah. just really friendly. I was like, I was like, if I wanted to that day, I could have, like, fully had sex with your dad. Like, and the fact that he was married on top of it, too. And it's, like, his daughter's best friend. I can't believe you told your friend. Like, what is she supposed to do? Well, I mean, I guess if it were me, I would be really embarrassed if somebody if somebody was like, your father is yeah. like hitting on me. But I guess I told her because I didn't know what to do. Like, right. I felt overwhelmed. Oof. God. Creepo dad. I know. There was this guy. I don't know why this reminds me of this, but there was this guy. So there was this band in Dallas, Texas that we were all obsessed with from the time we what were, were like called? 12. Mess. One word, mess. They sound so messy. They were so good. They were just like this pop punk band and they were, they always like had like. 182 style? 
Um, kind of less fast, oh, more okay. like I don't. I I know. Does it you, sound like this? Like da, 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 no, da, da, da. no. Okay, that's Blink One Eight Two. Okay. They were more. They were slower than that, mm-hmm. and not as aggressive. They were kind do of. Do you like, want to do an imitation? Um, no, but I do want to like <laughs> find one of their songs. I'll definitely play it in. Um, I'm horny for at a, on a later okay, episode. Good. So listeners, get ready for that little treat that's coming down the pipeline. But anyways, we went to see this band. They always had all ages shows, and the more I talk about this, I'm like, this is so like Michael Jackson documentary oh, no. adjacent. Oh. But yeah, so the lead singer, I always thought he was super hot. And I guess when I was like 13, he was probably like, I don't honestly, like 30s oh my maybe? God. 13 going on 30, the 13 documentary. Go- yes. So whatever. Anyway, it was all, all my friends, we all went to see them play all the time. And then Jamie, when- Jamie, where is this little tale Well, going? when we were in high school, this girl, Allison, who's my age, um, she started dating the lead singer. And she was how old? Uh, 14, 15? 16. Gross. Started dating the lead singer. And um, I, I, I noticed like, she kind of went through a transformation. She was sort of like a, I don't know, it's so lame to be like a good girl, but like she, she kind of was she like went from good to bad. She was kind of like a conservative girl. And then all of a sudden she had like band stickers like all over the back of her car. She was writing on she her sneakers. Had mismatching contact lenses, one green eye, one blue eye. That's such a bad And like kind of went into this like punk goth phase and she started dating that dude and driving him around. And then I recently looked at his Wikipedia and he has like sex charges like on his Wikipedia. He like dated young girls, but we never thought Wait, we were like, we're he's not a pedophile, he's a rock star. We're like, in our 30s. Like, oh, fuck. Jamie, we're in our 30s. What if I was like, Jamie, I'm dating this guy. He's amazing. He's 16. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's a, Go on. He's in all AP classes. But he's an old 16. No, he's an he's, old 16. He's in all AP classes, so he's like very so wise. He like wants- MIT, hi. Princeton, yeah. hi. He's like doing amazing on his SAT mm, prep. Oh my God. He's killing the prep. Yeah, he has three pubes. Mm. Yeah, whenever I- That's a lot. Oh, excuse me. Seinfeld was dating in I his know. 40s, a girl in high school. He'd Shoshana. pick her up- in high school, it's like that's like mental illness. I wear her or dresses now. She has a fashion a fashion line. I mean, obviously he's amazing, and I love him. Line. He's a genius. But I'm like, I also just I just can't imagine. It must be just sex. I love how we all just forget that Seinfeld dated a child. We all are just like, he, what's the deal with my young girlfriend? Was that a good Seinfeld impression? I mean, Skyler's laughing. But like, imagine like, okay, <laughs> okay. so you have like. The only reason you date someone like that is like obviously sex. But then after sex, when you're like having dinner, you're like, so like, you, what are you reading in school? Like Toni Morrison? Like, what are you talking about? Like, no. Have you read like, like, did you read uh, like, I don't even know what they read no, in high that's school. That's what Catcher in the Rye. That's yeah, the like, only book I like, read in high it's school. Like, it's like if you're dating someone like that, they come, they come home from school and they're like, I just found out that like. The U.S. I hate that we're <laughs> actually talking about what it would I'm be so like. I'm so upset. Oh my god! I'm so sorry to interrupt. I really wanted to hear where that riff was going. I don't that even. The U.S. What? That like we like got in like two world wars and Whoa. like can you believe that and like the Holocaust and like slavery. Like, did you even know that the world that had... is so fucked up? Yeah, like the world is effed. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, actually, I think that's why the girl was like dating a band guy because then you can just talk about music and that's kind of like unifying. Okay, also every young ages. person myself included is obsessed with dating musicians until you start doing it and you're like it is so boring. In I college, think it would be so boring. First of all, have you ever heard a musician 
like d- talk like between songs at a live concert. It's like kill me. They never say anything interesting. They think they're funny. It's like the it's the worst. I did like, just play the songs. I did it this guy in college who like played on campus at like with a band and I thought he was so talented and he was. He was so talented. And then we hung out and like all he wanted to talk about was music but not even like oh what bands do you like he was like like chords like chords no he wanted to have chord chat with Ew. me and that cut is what the cord cut the cord yuck and that is when I realized that being talented does not make someone fun to be around interesting. a good match for you or interesting talent is something separate totally separate totally separate okay so and on that note we have to take a break Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, so we're bringing it back to SATC. So after the schlong schlenario in Sag Harbor, Carrie is now back in the city dining with the core four like she do, talking about Peter's pepper grinder and how the whole incident perhaps posed a threat to Elaine and her marriage, even though Carrie did nothing wrong. And then the girls get into a whole debate about married people, how they relate to single people, and the unspoken tension that exists between the two groups. Married women are threatened because we can have sex anytime, anywhere with anyone. We can? And they're afraid we're going to have it anytime, anywhere with their husbands. I would never sleep with a married man. What makes you so sure you haven't? Wedding rings come off, you know. Face it, ladies, if you're still single, you are not to be trusted. Come on, not all married women feel that way. Charlotte treated marriage like a sorority she was desperately hoping to pledge. You're right, not all. The ones who don't fear you, pity you. That's not true. Are you telling me you haven't gotten those poor single you looks? I hate those. Okay, yes, I have. I hate it when you're the only single person at a dinner party and they all look at you like you're a... Loser? Leper. Whore. Exactly. Whore. I'm telling you, married people are the enemy. Wow, I'm offended. Well, actually, this is a good discussion because I'm single and you're married. Yeah. Do you think of me as the enemy? Um, literally not at all. In fact, the opposite. Your friend? Where I feel, oh my friends? God. Wait, we are though, right? I mean, I thought we I, were. I thought we were friends until this episode. I know, and then, it really divided us. And then us. I was like, oh shit, we might be enemies. Yeah, I think that... I think that that's one of the the biggest things about um, this show being in 1998 versus if it were to be on the air now as a new series. Um, I feel like the... What do you think about that? Well, here's a a couple of things. First of all, as a married person, I don't think that the, the tension lies between single people and married people. I think that 
I won't even it's say tension. Let's Muslims not call it Jews. that. Uh, yes, I would like to bring up Israel and Palestine. Every, Just real quick. Every pod, I, I, we need to talk about Judaism. I mean, it has to come in sometime. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's where the tension, or even, let's not even say tension, discrepancy. I don't think that's where the discrepancy lies. I think the discrepancy lies between people with kids and the rest of the world. And not even in a not in a bad way, just in a they have a family to take care of and support and and uh, and their schedule com- has completely changed. And that's that to me is is maybe more of a discussion topic now versus just single versus married. I object. OK, I object. Gavel there are down. no wrong opinions here. Um, I think you're a particularly independent married person because you're a comedian, you're traveling all the time, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But as a single person, my relationship with my single friends is very different than my relationship with my married Talk, friends. Wait, how so? I think a lot of, first of all, I don't have a lot of married friends. Interesting. Yeah, most of my friends are single. I have a lot of single friends. I have more single friends than married friends. I think it's because we're writers and comedians. That must be it. Yeah, yeah I think it's more fluid. It feels like, yeah, whatever your status is, everyone's kind of like, cool. I just feel like personally, it's a really different relationship you know, it's a different relationship between friends when you're single versus when you're married. Like, and I do have to say, I don't feel that alienated because the majority of my friends are single. So when yeah. I go to parties and stuff, it's also single people. And it doesn't feel good when everyone's in a couple and you're single. That feels awkward. And you you automatically feel like insecure, like whatever your feelings are about being single, even if you're cool with it and you're like happy, all of a sudden you're like, is there something wrong with me? Is yeah. this bad? Like that's so so you feel like that still holds up that that comment that they were making. Yeah, and also like you don't want to go to brunch if all I think a lot of married people like to hang out with couples. I think you're different. I think you're particularly I think in the arts we're blessed because I think people are just more inclusive and open and even marriages look different now. Like the way they talk about marriage on Sex in the City is very like locked up. Yeah. It's like are you are you locking down? Are you free as a bird? Like there's no real gray area that they speak of and I feel like marriages at least in LA and New York and in the art scene I feel like people are just kind of like yeah, it is whatever we want it to be. You know, it just kind of has a fluidity to it. But yeah. I, well, oh, I was going to make one point which Please. is just well, it's off of what you said, which is that I this so I was just in New York because I was visiting my my cousin Eric who's two years younger than me. He just had his first child, so my mom and I went to visit. And I am now even as a married person, sort of feeling this like, oh yeah, you don't have kids yet. So it's almost like life is a video game, and it's all about like, oh, you're not at the next level. Whatever that next level is, there's always a next level. It's like, oh, you only have one kid, you don't have two kids. Oh, you only have two kids. Are you thinking of having more? It's like. It literally never ends. It just feels like this weird climb for I'm, status I'm that doesn't matter. I, I ask people questions that I probably wouldn't want to be asked either. Like the second people are either engaged or married, I'm like, do you want to have kids? Or the second my friends are like super in love, I'm like, are you moving in together? It's like, why do we keep pushing everybody? I don't even know why we do that. We're all, we're all, it's you all. You know fe- what it is? It's because like we <laughs> want answers. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. Because I've had like this Zutalo. Ex- Please. Yeah. I feel like. We're pushing people because we feel like everything just needs to have like 
an end or something. I think it's a like, fear of dying. I think you're right. I think it's a fear of dying. Everything comes back to a fear of dying. This is the sad podcast now. But no, everything comes back to a fear of dying. And also everything comes back to fear and shame. So it is coming from a fear-based place. Well, to literally future trip to a degree where you're like, in my situation at least, I'm married and I sort of felt this, my family is so wonderful and they don't, they don't hit, they are not on the nose about it. It's very subtle. It's in the air. Most of it's probably in my head, to be honest. But there is this kind of like when subliminal kind of thing. Yeah. Sub- I, I was holding the baby and they were like, oh, that she looks good with you. Like just little like things like that. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, am I letting someone down? And it is a level of future tripping where it's not like, oh, let's just focus on the fact that like whatever, whether I was married or not. Do you feel just- pressure to have kids? Um, yes, but I think most of the pressure is coming within myself at this point. And it's, it's almost like I have an egg freezing appointment next week. Oh, interesting. I just had my, my consultation on the phone. Um, but it is interesting because it's like you get into the space where you're like, yes, I want to have a family, but, but, but also what, like, I like the idea of having a family, but there is something that is keeping me from wanting to have a I don't know. I guess I'm in, I don't know. Jacqueline Novak and I were talking about this where it's like people are saying, um, you know, the whole like thing of like, well, you have to have kids because who's going to take care of you when you're old? It's like, that's real though, I think. It is, but it's so fucking fear-based to think that way. First of all, like, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to have people who will, like, I'll have a cool ass hospice nurse who I like bond with as I take my like rattling blast from phlegm breath. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do. I do want to have kids, but it is coming from it's weird to be pressured into something that is such a life changing decision. The fact that people are so comfortable just like bringing it up or yeah, like totally. making comments, you're like, oh, that's like an that's an actual life pivot that you're just sort of casually bringing up. Like, just do it. Also, like, like, my it's sister, like just have the yeah. Wendy's like be bad tonight. Just have the fries. Yeah. Go for it. You're like, it's a fucking baby. Yeah, I mean, my anyway. sister's her life goal was to have a baby and she has one and she wants it and she's so happy with it. And she's still exhausted, overwhelmed. I mean, this is somebody who this is what they want. And it's still like completely consuming, overwhelming, exhausting, emotional. And it's like that's like best case scenario, like with a partner you love. Like, totally. It's like, yeah. So I have to say, like, I love my life and I'm like very happy. The only time I feel like insecure about being single is if I'm around a lot of people who aren't. And they're like, how is that? Do you feel blah, blah? People say that to you? Not often, but if they would, like if I was like a family thing or something. It's so funny because I I, when I hang out, especially when I hang out with you specifically, I have single friends. I have several single friends. So sweet of you. I know. I give back. You're so nice. I'm I'm a woman of the people. I Uh, hang out with the sings. That's what I call them when you that's what I call you behind your back. Um, I hope that's okay. I call you an S. You're just a hard S. Um, No, but I um I I just think it's so empowering and especially we're in this place where like you know the power structures have shifted in relationships even where it's like the women are making more money yeah. and you know things are just changing to this degree where I'm like being single is not what it used to be like like are you it's in- slowly changing but I think there's still I think if a dude's single I, yeah I yes it's go ahead it's cool ahead. and if a woman as they get older it's kind of like oh is she okay no there is that which sucks but I guess that's what I'm saying is like it's just sad that that's even at all in the ether still it really bums me out because I as a woman looking at single women go oh my god like that's fucking cool and like if they find someone great and if they don't 
okay. Like, it's fine. I don't know. You're not incomplete to me. And I hate this episode really brought that up for me where I was like, Ooh, I hate that women feel this way. Did I you, before it. you got married, where did you feel stressed about being not married and stuff? And like, were you like, I, I got to get this going. Like before you met Dan and stuff, were you like, uh Oh, like, yeah, I would say around when I turned thir- 31, I would say was when it started to kick in. But in this very strange it kicked in in this way where I was real. It's so fucked up to say this, but it's like I I and I wrote a book about it, essentially, about how I got really swept up in wedding culture. And I felt like I really wanted the ring and I really wanted the wedding. Not so much the wedding, actually. I really just wanted a ring. And I liked how official it felt. And it just felt Did it very, feel like you were being an adult. It felt very adult. You're ticking and I, off the boxes. Yes. And I struggle with and I don't know if you deal with this, but I struggle with feeling like an adult, especially because my career could be deemed juvenile in so many ways. Just because it's like we Telling set jokes. our own hours and we tell jokes and it's like you don't have to like you're literally like you a wear jeans every court day. gesture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel all this shame about and also like my parents, they never had like kind of serious jobs. They were like concert promoters. So I think my whole life I was like, we have to really work hard to look like adults. So to That's me, engagement represents adulthood. Marriage represents adulthood. Like I always feel like a child doing an impression of someone in their 30s. So I'm constantly trying to combat that. Oh, that's interesting. It's so fucking so crazy. what do you think, since bring we're... Bring it back, bring it back, we're on, bring it back. We're on opposite sides of the uh, sort of love coin here. Sure. Yeah, so what's the best thing about being married? The best thing about being married is the coziness. I feel like... The snugs? My home, yeah, the snugs, and also just my home really is a nest And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I live in L.A., which I stand by it, is one of the most isolating, isolated places that I've lived, I think, just in terms of you spend a lot of time in your home. And I feel like disagree. uh, You're allowed. Again, we're not pinning it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I spend a lot. I'll say I spend a lot of time in my home and I feel like um yeah, there is like sort of a cozy nest vibe. And also we have a shorthand with each other where I just feel like we've been together so long. We kind of just have an unspoken sort of language, not even verbal language, but just way of living that we get in terms of like, you know, when we cook, it's like we kind of eat the same foods and we're preparing dinner together. And it's like, oh, we know we're going to like watch a show while we eat like all these things that are just kind of like second nature. And I think that all contributes to the coziness. So that would be my favorite thing about being married. The cozy. Yeah. What is that called? The Danish word? Isn't it Haga Haga Haga. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Is cool. it Danish? I don't know. I don't know. What I think about. it is. Anyways, yeah. what, what's your favorite thing about being single? Um, excellent Questo. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of things I like about it. Um, I think I have two competing things. I've always been a person that has like a ton of friendships. I'm very social. I really love hanging out with people. So I have like a lot of like really rich, fun and, you know, just like wonderful friendships. And not that you lose those when you're in a couple, but I do think people can get a little cozy with their pair and stop hanging out with their friends a little. Yeah, I have to make a conscience e- conscience conscious effort to not have that happen yeah to me like I like just I've always had like 
I don't know, friends are really important to me. So I do that and that's really great. And then another thing is just like, my life is really fun and I like do whatever I want. Like I go on bike rides and I go hiking and I go to museums and da, da, da. And not to say that you don't do that in couples, but my experience is like when I fall in love, it's like a lot of just like staring into each other's eyes and like having sex and eating and just like, it can get really in, you can kind of stop doing shit. You know yeah. what I mean? That like, does fade though. I think you snap back into your routine after a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Cause I, like I, I'm like, I do all those things. I'm right. not, I feel like, but also again, like you said earlier, I think like you're Dan wildly and I are, independent. We though. are, we are. Yeah. yeah. So I think what I like about being single is that I feel like my life is really interesting and exciting and I'm always doing different things. And I find that when I fall in love, not that I'm not exciting anymore, but I'm just very like, in a little bubble. Yeah, it's a bubble. The love yeah. bubble. The love bubble. That makes sense. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's get back to this dang app. Okay, sweet. So after the girls discuss married people being the enemy, we go to Miranda at her firm's softball game, where her coworker thinks she's a lesbian and sets her up with a lovely woman named Sid. Miranda's like, but I'm not a lesbian. Just wait a little while, Miranda. Wait a little while, Miranda. But then, okay, I'm sorry. I do it like, again. I'm like, it's just because I it's hot. It's, it's hot in here and you're stressed about the dog. I am, okay. But it is hot in here and that's why I've had like seven strokes okay, this episode. cool. After the girls discuss married people being the enemy, we go to Miranda at her firm softball game where her coworker thinks she's a lesbian and sets her up with a lovely woman named Sid. Miranda's like, but I'm not a lesbian. But then Miranda's boss, Charles, sees the two ladies hanging out, assumes they're a couple, and invites them to a dinner party at his house. Hey, wait a hot lestastic second here, buddy. Charles wasn't this friendly to Miranda when he thought she was single. Next, we go to Carrie being fixed up with a man who is a total rarity in New York City. A single dude who actually wants to get married. A whoa, 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 whoa. Marriage man invites Carrie, Charlotte, and Samantha to a party at his house, and everyone there is coupled up. Samantha is bummed because she's looking to F her B's out, and she can't because everyone there is hitched. So she drinks a bunch of tequila out of boredom and proceeds to drunkenly bring up the whole penis incident to Peter and Elaine when Carrie happens to run into them. Later that night, Charlotte lets boozy floozy Samantha stay at her apartment. But as we all know, Samantha can't not fuck. So she seduces Charlotte's Irish doorman, Tommy, and invites him up to Charlotte's apartment for, as they say in Ireland, a wee bit of a good time there, loss. I'm so sorry. The Irish. Uh, <laughs> so accurate. I felt like I was in Dublin. Um, across town, Miranda and Sid are finishing up a wonderful evening at Miranda's boss's dinner party, pretending to be something they're not. A couple. But Miranda can't keep up this whole charade, this whole Sid is the les of my life gimmick going for too long. So she decides to come clean to Charles. Sid and I aren't really a couple. In fact, we're not even really lesbians. Well, Sid is. I'm not. I just took advantage of the situation to bend your ear about my work at the firm. Shrewd move, Counselor. Well, no harm done. Thank you, sir. My wife will be disappointed. She was looking to add a lesbian couple to our circle. <laughs> um... Okay. <laughs> it's also like it's like it's like simultaneously progressive and offensive because it's not a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing until he goes to our <laughs> circle. Well, then I'm like, what kind of I'm like, circle kind of, is yeah, this? What is, is this a circle? circle? Yeah. Or is there a wafer in this circle in the I middle? I know. I felt like that was a real dot 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 that Charles brought up. It's also so wild watching this episode when like now we all know that the Cynthia actress, Nixon. Yeah, she's is, she's gay. She's married to a woman. But not yes. only that, the entire 
the entire show, I was like, so she's a lesbian, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, not to make it stereotypical, but like, it's funny. This is just a very funny premise where she's like, I'm obviously, it's like the lady doth protest a little much. I know. Also, can't you like, it's so funny to think of the writers coming up with this and they pitch it to Cynthia Nixon. They're like, okay, so the premise of this episode is that like, you're straight. I mean, we like you, Miranda, you're we straight. All know that. We know that. Right, guys? Yeah, you seem but really here's straight. the thing. In this episode, you, they're going to think you're a lesbian. But we all know you're not. But we know you're not. But that's what's funny about it yeah. is that everyone at your office thinks that you're a fucking lesbian. Everyone at your office. And you're going to get kissed any, you're going to kiss Sid anyway just to like make sure you're straight because we know you're straight. It's like seeing Miranda and Sid, it's like, it's like the literal most natural thing in the world. It's like basically like, come on, give her a chance. Yeah, I know. And then also it's like so obvious, like the whole thing with Sid like I don't I'm so surprised that Sid would even go along like the way they wrote Sid is so she's such a fucking prop it's crazy yeah because like as if in the real world a real lesbian would be like sure I'll be your plus one to pretend that you're gay so you can get ahead of your career also who are you yeah also doesn't Sid work at the firm also no no no, no. she's just she's brought a in a that's even worse she's just like literally a prop brought in to like help help Miranda feel built up at work. I do have to say, I do have some experience like testing out lesbian waters and then like realizing those waters were not my waters. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I had a sort of a lame boyfriend that kind of like turned me off and I was like, God, maybe it's just like men. Maybe I'm just like a lesbian. I just haven't le- like realized it until like now. So the day I decided that I needed to experiment with a girl I'm pretty ballsy or over easy, whatever. Mm-hmm. I went to this local bar with my group of friends. I saw this girl, total straight girl. I just went up to her and I seduced her. Mm. I pretended that I was like a veteran lesbian with like lots of notches in my belt. I had never even like held a girl's hand. And I you went have up- that like post breakup confidence, though. That's yeah. what happens. I feel like I'm in a trance after I go through a breakup. I'm like the strongest, best version of myself. I also grew up like very close to women and like really intimidated by like the men in my life. Mm -hmm. So not very comfortable with men. So like around women, I'm like, Hey baby. Hey, beautiful. Look at those eyes. Are your eyes blue or are those icicles melting my heart? Like I was like within two minutes, my friend's jaws were to the floor. They're like, I took home a straight girl. No girl is really straight as we know. I took her home. Both of us were like insanely nervous. I was like wildly trying to pretend that I knew what to do. She also was like, I've never done this before. I was like, don't worry, babe. I have had no idea what I you was said doing. That? Yeah. I was Amazing. Like, yeah. Literally like twister. Like we like played twister with our clothes off. And then uh, she was like, I'm on my period. So like, don't go down on me. I was like, oh no, I really wanted to. Hilarious. Bummer. Dang. Yeah. And then she's like, but I can go down on you. And I was like, okay. Also, I was like 19 and like anyone going down on me was like panic attack, Xanax, 911. Sure. Like what's happening to me? I'm scared. So she was like judging sh- around down there for a minute. And she's like, are you close? I'm like, so close, but don't worry. Just come back up. And then like, it just like ended. It was literally just like, rolling around with a friend. There was no vibes. Interesting. And then the next day I worked at this bookstore, this hip like used bookstore record store and she came by and dropped off a box of chocolates for me. Oh, she was like in love with you. I was like, once you get oh a my little, gosh. once you go rose, you never, you go Forrest Gump. You fucking never life, go of, back. life is like a yeah. box of, but then I like hooked up with a couple other girls and it was like sometimes fun, but I was never like, I don't feel as that rush of thrilling psychosis. I feel with men. 
I don't feel thrilling psychosis with men. I do, that is not I my like experience. Guys. But <laughs> I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, I've never been like when I've hooked up with a guy for the first time, I've never been that psyched to see their dick to the point where I'm like, it's fine. I'm definitely I consider myself straight and I am attracted to men. And like, ultimately, it's fine when I have to whatever see it. But I also I feel the same way. You like before you have sex, you do a ritual where you put a blindfold over yourself. Yeah. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> He's like, let's turn the lights on. I'm like, no, let's you turn like, them off. You're actually. like, I'm definitely straight. You like have a picture of a vagina that you like make him like tape no, onto his dick. That's what's ridiculous is like, I feel like. I, I don't know when like when girls when straight girls are like oh I can never with a vagina I'm like well I'm not psyched about the dick either and they're not they're not that different to me I have to say I did go like, down I on a girl I, okay. in my 20s and that was really breakthrough for me because I used to be really squeamish when people went down on me because there's so much like vagina shaming in culture like sure. all the 90s movies with all the bros all the jokes are that like vaginas are gross and they smell bad and nobody likes them and if you're a woman, there's just no way you don't absorb that. So you just grow up thinking like, oh, nobody really wants to be there. Nobody really wants to do this. And it's hard to let go. At least it was for me. And then I went down on a girl and it was like hot and fun and cool. And I was like, oh, this is like fine. Anybody who like complains about this is like a fucking idiot. Like if I just think turned all, on, then it's fun. I who think cares? all genitalia is a mess. I really it's like your do. favorite band. Yeah, like my bringing it back. But I do. I'm like I'm kind of in this place where I'm like I, like if I, I can yeah. if I can suck it up and deal with a penis, I can't imagine not being able to do the same thing for a vagina. I actually like genitals and I think they're if you're I, I feel like if you're attracted to somebody and there are vibes and you care about them and maybe even love them, then the genitals are a fun party because it's like it's just like making the person you love super happy. So it's like a happy place. Mm. Oh, my God. She's like, no. Mm. It's like a two-day-old meatloaf sandwich. No, it's, it is a happy place. Obvi- but, I mean, yes, obviously, if you love the person and their vibes, it's going to be great because sex is great. But it is kind of like, I don't know. I always think it's a little bit of a... Uh, it's a little musky down there? No. Musky treasures? I'm not, I'm not talking about the shame elements. I'm not talking about smell or any of those things. I just mean that there is so much emotion connected to it that it's like, yeah. Th- I guess that's what I'm saying is that, I, I don't know, maybe this is me coming out as bisexual on the podcast. I have no idea. But I'm just kind of like... No, but I'm just kind of like, the vibes are everything. Yeah. And I've never been with a woman and I don't... I Have you ever don't, been attracted to a woman? Like, in one a sexual girl, way? but she really did look like a man. Yeah, so you would like a butch girl. Mm, yes, but she wasn't butch. She was kind of like wispy. You know who I think is She hot? was like a wispy, beautiful model type. But, but she looked like a... She had like a short haircut and she... I don't. Is that Butch? I think Rhea Butcher's hot. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I love that we're saying names. <laughs> okay, you can bleep that out if that's like inappropriate or no, like I love assault it. or something. I love it. <laughs> assault. I don't know. Everything's so stressful now. No, no. I no. do have to say though, I think I have been in love with a woman before, and it was my best friend in middle school. <gasps> really? Because like we were so obsessed with each other, but it wasn't just love. Like I think I was like attracted to her. So I yeah. think I have been attracted to women before. I was very attracted to this comedian that I met. She, female, female comedian, very attracted. Like, it, but again, had masculine qualities. Yeah, but so it's still hard a woman. for me. It is still a woman. It's still not a man. So if you're attracted to her, but even she if she's was hot to me in a masculine way. Yes, it's also confusing. I mean, gender's I, a drag. I don't know. It's all just pussies and dicks. Who cares? I mean, at the end of the day, the point is you should try if you're if you're interested, and if you're not. After I hooked up with that girl, I was really terrified that I was a lesbian. And I was like, oh, my God, what if I'm a lesbian? And I come from this, like, liberal, open family. Nobody would have cared. 
And even with that family, I was like terrified for like a week. I was like, shit, I might be a lesbian. I just got scared. I was like, God, like, does that mean like everyone's going to look at me weird? And if I hold hands with a girl, everyone's gonna be like, oh, there goes a lesbian. Like it really freaked me out. And then I'm, I'm actually not a lesbian, but it made me realize like, even if you have like a great family, it's still scary. Yes. It's kind of like being like, okay, I'm about to well, admit my life be really much harder and have everyone look at me in a different way. I also think it's just hard to own your identity when it's not hundred percent the accepted one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I hold a guy's hand down the street, nobody cares. No one cares. And even in LA or any progressive city, if you're queer, it could not be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a risk. It has a history of being risky and it's still, there's still people who believe it's risky. There you go. So, um, was there anything else we wanted to cover? Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about really quick. Please. Was just that Miranda, Miranda being like, oh, you know, I'm not taken seriously at work unless I'm in a couple. It's interesting because I feel like I had the opposite experience where I worked with a bunch of people who are single and went out every night. And then I was in a relationship and I was like kind of not wanting to necessarily like go out and drink and like be super social. And I felt like it's it was the exact opposite. I think that office culture in general is uh, it's kind of like, oh, this is how we do things. And it's like, oh, if you go against the grain at all, you kind of feel like an outsider. That makes sense. I yeah. do think that there is an idea that like if you're an adult and you're not married in certain echelons like politics or Wall Street sure. or anything like that, like yeah. you're looked at like there's something wrong with you. Like we will have a gay president, a Jewish president, a female president, an atheist president, all way before we would ever have a single president. Because people wouldn't trust someone that, that doesn't so have a family. That is so crazy. I've never thought about that. People would not trust a single person. And, and oh I think my that God. there is this idea of like, I think there's still an idea of if you don't have a family, there's something kind of wrong with well, you. Well, that's also... And whether you're a man or a woman, I but think. But that's also typically with... Because men have been in that position of power so far... I think that we're like, oh, well, a man who's not married, like maybe he's, he's a gay or, or he's a wild card. <laughs> like, I just think that the fact men is, need to be like reeled in or they'll just like fuck everything that moves. I think it's just this thing that you were talking about earlier about legitimacy. Like, unless you are married with children, you're not a real adult. So we can't give a responsible job to somebody like that. Instead of just being like, some people want to be single. Some people want to be married. Some also, people want to have kids. A lot of people are good at their jobs because they don't have a relationship. They don't have a family. So they put all of their energy into their work. Like Oprah is fucking single and she has, she has changed Stedman. the yeah, but she's, I mean, she doesn't have kids. Oh, sorry. Right, right. Yeah. And she's not married. Right. And it, she's fucking changed the world. Right. And she said on podcasts, her and Shonda Rhimes, I remember we're talking in this interview and they both were like, and Shonda Rhimes has kids, but I don't believe is married and, and no, like she's not. purposely like doesn't want to be married. And Oprah was like, I'm good with Stedman. He understands my schedule and my needs, but we don't want to have kids. And they were like, our souls are too big. We have too much we want to do and give back and contribute. Dolly we Parton don't too. have time we would not be good at being a mom and like really devoting ourselves. Oh, not Shonda Rhimes, but right. Oprah was like, I I couldn't do what I want to do with my life without really devoting my life the way I have. That's what I'm saying. I think it's yeah. ridiculous to judge people. Like, I think the idea of judging someone for not being married or having kids at like a law firm or an office as m- a, like putting all this projection that they're not serious people or that they're not adult is just incredibly judgmental. 
It's just yeah. different values. It's just some people want it, some people don't. Doesn't make anything more adult or not. Also, yeah. it's none of your goddamn business. That's exactly right. It's personal. And also, wow. also, I think it's incredibly adult and mature to say, I don't think I want to do this, and therefore I'm going to follow my instincts instead of do something that I think I should do, and then have like a miserable family exactly. and a horrible marriage. Exactly. Like, fuck that. Yeah. And that's way more time consuming. You're going to be way worse at your job if you're like in that situation. Also, like I do want to be married and have kids, but all the studies show that people are way happier that don't. And they're like, have more money. Their bodies are better. It's like, <sighs> yeah, I think it's if like I if you kid, don't want to have kids, I, I want to like make a bunch of money and then like have like a Kim Kardashian situation where I'm just like, my surrogate's part of my family. <laughs> and then like, oh, does she have surrogates? Yeah, I think so. At this point, I think the first one was natural. And then from there, they had surrogates. Weirdly, I want to have a baby in my body and cook it in my body. See, it's so funny. I'm the opposite. I want the baby, but I have no desire to be pregnant. Zero. This I'm so is, surprised. This it's is so disgusting, interesting. But like, also I've been skinny my whole life and like, the idea of having like giant tatays and like a big old, yeah. I don't know. I like the I idea love of that. like having these milky boobs that are like slapping around. I've never oh, had I love that before. That. I love that because I feel like so many women are like, oh, my pregnancy ruined my body. And like, no. I really want to get to this place where like women in with ruin their, me, baby. Well, also like a postpartum body. Like we should start seeing that as like beautiful. It's like, oh yeah, you brought a fucking life into this world. Why are we not viewing like your new expanded rib cage as like the standard of beauty? Like that's fucking incredible. Yeah, I mean, also, yeah, I mean, when I was little, I remember, like, sleeping on my mom's boobs because they were kind of, like, low and long same, and, like, cozy. Same. And, like, sleeping on my mom's boobs Mom's such boobs a, are cozy. It was, like, pillows. And I was, like, yeah. you know, when you're when you're kind of skinny and flat, you're, like, where are they going to lay? Yeah. I'm going to have to, like, put, like, pillows on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, like, hurt them. They're going to, like, have all the sharp angles. And they're, like, Mom, you're so, you're so sharp. You're just so jagged, Mom. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, trying to rest on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're taking a break. We're back. Chucky's back. Chucky and Chucky. Ooh. All right. Question of the episode. Carrie asks, is there a cold war between married and single people? I think we are in a very particular situation. We live in L.A. We're in the arts. Everyone's the same. We go out. We do things. We're yeah. active. I think if we lived in a small town and one of us was married and one of us was single, it would be a whole different ballgame. I, I think agree. in the world we live in, single, not single, it's whatever. It's fantasy land. Yeah. It's a fantasy land. And it's a utopia. And I still believe that all over the place there is the biggest discrepancy between kids and no kids. Kids and no kids. I agree with you. Especially like seeing my sister have kids. It's like. Forget even going out. It's like, did I was I able to shower today? Did I able to like schedule that in? It it is, and that's the thing. It's not it's not deliberate. It's just the way life happens. Like when you have a family, you really are investing in your immediate circle because they're your they're your blood. They're you your go. they're every day, and you have to also keep them alive. Like when you have children, well, zero to five is like psychotic. Yeah, and also yeah, I don't know. I I have a couple of friends though who have had babies, and I feel like they've been very accessible. They're really into like getting sitters and like early on too. Like the kid's only like three months old, and they're like, oh, I'll meet you for brunch, and you're like, cool. Like, is the baby coming? They're like, no, we got a sitter. And I'm my like, sister's okay. the opposite. She's like, bring up, bring I just everywhere. went to the bathroom. Is he okay? I was yeah. gone for two seconds. I feel like that's how I'm going to be. Maybe that's why I haven't had kids yet, because I'm going to be like the fucking worst. I mean, re, we re, will see. Re. Yeah. So it's time for that fabulous moment in the app. Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end every episode by sharing what we're currently horny for Jamie Lee, what are you horny for right now? Um, okay, I'm horny for 
this uh, skin product that I made. <gasps> yeah. Excuse me, woman I living know. off the land Excuse here. Squeeze me bacon powder. I so okay. I've gotten very into sprays, like toner sprays, and like my favorite way to apply any kind of facial product is spray. Okay. And okay. I go, okay. 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 Are you guys okay. ready for this? Are you on this? Okay. Okay. Um, so I have a spray bottle and I put uh, tea tree oil, bio oil, which is this amazing miracle product for um, acne scars, um, argon oil, which reduces swelling, some water, and a little bit of toner that I have. And I've started like spraying it on my skin every morning and it's just kind of like changing my life. Like I'm very into just like spray potions. I noticed that you looked a little more vibrant, a little dewy. I was <gasps> like, D- is she spraying? Oh my God. Yeah. It's I was like, spray. Is, she, is she spritzing? Wait, is this girl spritzing and spritzing? I was like, spritzing there's, something and di- there's something different about Jamie and I can't put my finger on. Spritz. No, you don't. You don't need to put your finger on it. You I just need to spray it. Okay. Well, I love, I love it. I can't wait to uh, yeah, get I'm, my bottle in the mail. I, I hope know. it's coming. I'm horny for maybe creating my own product product line, but only that product. Oh. I'm going to keep experimenting with different types of oils and concoctions. I mean, one thing that happens in your 30s is I never gave a shit about face products. Now oh I'm like, God. literally, it's everything. I know everything about them. Yeah, they're great. What are you horny for? I think we week? all know what I'm horny for this your week. Dog. It's my goddamn little dog. Chachi. I just got a dog named Chachi. He's really tiny and I already love him so much. I feel like we're really bonded. I feel like I'm his everything. And actually, we've been talking about marriage and kids and babies. And I think a big appeal. You and Chachi. You're like, I oh, think we're, we're going to do it. Oh, we're going to Vegas. Yeah. We're getting hitched. We've already done some stuff sexually. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. You should experiment. Well, I was like, I was like, is this Beastiality the right dog? gets a bad rep and it's like enough is no. enough. It was just a lot of Frenching, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's all tongue, that dog. But... I have to say, I think it's totally different having a baby than having a dog. But the nice thing that's kind of similar, especially when you have a little puppy that only knows you, is like you are its world. It loves you so much. It needs you for everything. And being needed like that feels really good. Like, Oh, you're horny, horny for need, needingness. I'm, I'm horny to feel needed. Yeah. I'm horny to feel needed. I'm horny to be a caretaker. I've always been a big caretaker. I have three little sisters whose diapers I changed. And so I'm horny for my dog. I also think that it is making more, me more, more. I think it is making, I think he is making me more responsible, even though it's only been like six hours. It's literally hasn't even been a full day, I'm but it's, talking you're about like so all my changed. Intense trip personality changes. But I do think it is a different thing because it's getting yourself out. The thing about being single is you're very, very selfish. All you think about is yourself all day. And even having a dog is being like, okay, I kind of want to go to this art thing this weekend, but like, I don't know. Can I leave the dog? I kind of want to go to this party. It's like, you're starting to consider something else besides yourself. And I've been selfish for a very long time. So I don't think it's bad for me to start caring about something except for just my endless needs, my bottomless well of needs. Yeah. It's good. I think it balances your life to have a dog or have an animal to take care of. Something else. Yeah, and also it's kind of nice to like challenge how you multitask because you have to sort of restructure your life when you have a dog. Not too much, but especially in the beginning. Yeah, it's very unpredictable and it's a lot of like tending to its needs. Yeah, and it's nice to just be like, oh, I have to be responsible for something, and I have to do my work, and I have to see my friends, and I'm just going to do it all, and it's going to be fine. It makes you have a bigger plate. Yeah, I feel like your plate is smaller before your dog and then it becomes bigger when you have a dog. Yeah, and I think of the like the benefits of it is like I get really busy, I get really stressed, and I just think having this little unconditional love monster around yeah. will be really nice. Yeah, dogs are therapeutic. I love them. And on that note, 
This is the end of our episode, and we love you. And bye. I hope, I hope this has been therapeutic for you. Oh, we're hope, your. I hope we're your emotional support animals, listeners. I hope we're your tiny chadoodle, Chachi. Oh my God, is he? A ch- I don't know what a chadoodle is, but he better be one. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod, and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at the Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.